It's our Logan Wolverine episode, everybody on the GeekRx podcast. And uh, I'm joined today by Harper. Hey. And Shane. Hey. And we're, we're doing it three amigo style uh, to talk about the smelliest mutant of them all. Uh, that's, that's all I ever think about whenever I see Logan is that guy's got to like stink. <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, the, the latest Wolverine movie, Logan, directed by James Mangold, uh, starring Hugh Jackman. It's a movie pretty much I think everybody's gotten a chance to see at this point. So spoilers are not even a thing, not like it ever is anyway. But uh, it's going to be cool to get a chance to talk about this because it's, I don't know, the lone X-Men movie that is actually good. Uh, in my opinion. But before we do that, I just wanted to make a quick mention. I saw Kong Skull Island uh, the other day with uh, Shane's brother, Spencer and Hannah. And um, I won't say any spoilers since it just came out this weekend and Shane and Harper haven't had a chance to see it. But I think it's pretty good. It, it, it's, you know, your standard sort of adventure story. It sort of takes place in in the Vietnam era. It's kind of a Zack Snydery type take on on the 70s, I think. But the best part of it is, and I'm sure your brother has told you this, Shane, John C. Riley literally makes the movie. I don't know if he told me that. I just seen y'all talk about it on Twitter. I've seen everybody oh talk God. about it. <laughs> it it's it's it, I've never seen an actor literally like like reform a narrative around his own performance. And I think the, the, the filmmakers did that too. So, and when you get a chance to see it, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. It is for that alone. It's almost worth seeing just because it's, it's so unique because generally with these blockbusters, you know, script actors formulate themselves to the script. But I think I, I really believe that they, they started filming him and he was so damn funny. They were like, let's make the movie about that guy instead. And it kind of works really to the film's betterment. So yeah, I think you're in, I think you might be in for a treat Shane. I, I know you like these giant monster movies. Yeah. I know you and I were both pretty big fans of that, uh, latest Godzilla movie. So I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. And I've, I've seen the post credit scene that, that everybody was talking about and I didn't understand why everybody was making such a big deal about it because if you keep up with movie news at all, everything that was revealed in that post credit scene has been known for like three years. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, if you didn't know this was leading into Godzilla versus King Kong, I'm just going to assume you haven't been keeping up with the movie news at all. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I, I actually hadn't been keeping up with this stuff. Uh, like, I mean, I knew there was a sequel coming to Godzilla, the Kyle Chandler and the um, right M Millie Bobby Brown or whatever her name is. And Michael Doherty's directing it, so it should be even better than the first one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any film that doesn't have Aaron Taylor Johnson in it is already improved <laughs> by by you know, immense numbers. But I didn't I didn't know they were actually going to do the crossover at some point oh, yeah. later. So that's well, doesn't that's, like that. Doesn't that Monarch organization from the Godzilla remake play a role in Kong? Oh yes, yes, yes. I mean, and that's not a spoiler. That's like right at the very front of the movie. So uh, that's like that's John Goodman's whole role in the movie. So, yes. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, and I've, I've heard some people calling it the Monsterverse, and I'm like, we're going to have to find a new name for this cinematic universe because Universal's Monsterverse is about to be starting this summer. Oh, Lord. So. <laughs> you know what? Okay, not a total aside. Uh, you know, we're talking about shared universes here, so let, let, let's talk about that for just a second. That that inspires me. So that Universal Monsterverse is is a thing. Uh, kind <laughs> well, they of. hope it. They hope it'll be a thing. Yeah, they really want uh, it to be. <laughs> I don't, man. I just don't like. I guess everyone's trying to do the Marvel model now, but nobody can make it work. You know, it's it's. It, I think this is really incredible. Like by sheer force of will, they're trying to create like all these like Universal monster movies, like they had back in the '40s. You know, where they were all right. you know, sort of. But I mean. Every movie they make, I, I don't, I, I don't know. They just, they just all look, no one. They look, they look bad. Okay, this mummy movie looks bad, and I, I, I feel like when it's done so inorganically, you're already sort of like, you're, you're pushing the audience away before you can even attract them. Right. Uh, I feel like nobody. And I, and the really uh, bad audio mishap uh, in that first trailer doesn't help either. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Forgot that about that. Bad, hard, right? <laughs> did you did you see that? that, that oh yeah. Video? Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like that must have like floated around between all you audio guys. I man. Def- definitely did. It was uh, <laughs> it was pretty pretty hilarious. <laughs> and Hannah loved it, man. We she watched it so many times. But I, I just I mean they're doing. I mean, how many damn shared universes do we have? We got the MonsterVerse. We got this other mo- giant MonsterVerse. I'll call that for now. Uh, yeah. We've got we've got uh, the, the damn uh, DC Verse. You got whatever's We've going got on. Two Marvel ones because you've two got Marvel. X Men and Marvel. Yeah, you got, you got King Arthur, right? Oh God! Well, we'll is see. that really a thing? <laughs> oh yeah, that guy, that guy Richie movie is supposed to be the start of a King Arthur cinematic. Oh, universe. give me a break! I mean, see, the thing is, I, I don't, I get why everybody's doing it. Like, they'd be crazy not to because obviously the success of the Marvel movies and and I, and I don't and like just in and itself, a shared universe is not a bad thing. But it's so hard to pull off well. And I think the key thing to a shared universe is you have to have at least two good movies to have a shared universe that anybody gives a crap about. And most of those other ones don't have one good movie to their name yet. So, I mean, you know, that's obviously the issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. I, and this King Arthur shared universe, does, I think it, does it, is that the one that involves Robin Hood? Uh, no, that's, they're, they're wanting to do a Robin Hood one. That's separate. Oh, God! God's sakes. <laughs> what, what what could you make out of a Robin Hood shared universe? Nobody like, even saw the Robin Hood movie with Russell Crowe. If you're not going to see that, then why are they going to see like solo movies about like Friar Tuck and stuff? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's like a Maid Marian movie that's being made. I'm sure there is. I mean, if you're going to do a shared universe, like this, the reason this, this works better in the comic area is because that material already shares a universe right? exactly and to like I, I feel like the monsters and the giant monsters work but yeah trying to put like let characters from like legends doesn't really work it's, it's, i'm not i'm not convinced that the the monsters work not the giant monsters giant monsters are fine because it's giant monsters fighting oh yeah <laughs> but but you know they, they, that ain't exactly high drama but it, i mean it's just it's just fun but like the 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 werewolf Dracula thing, like it didn't really work with the Universal movies, to be honest with you, because uh, those are like the worst movies. And you're taking like Victorian era literature, right? And you're like you're trying to take that material that's gothic horror, 
uh, with Dracula and Frankenstein and the Invisible Man and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and you're trying to like transmogrify that into into like an action movie vein, which mm-hmm. doesn't work. Dracula and the Mummy and stuff. I mean, that should be just straight horror, and that really isn't conducive to a shared universe type thing because those are like action movies, it seems. And I, I just, oh, what a, what a fucking waste of time and money. You could, like, feed starving countries with this shit, man. Yeah. You know? the, the, despite it being uh, looking more like an action movie, I'm going to subject myself to The Mummy this summer just because I, I've got a feeling I'm going to be subjected to it at Halloween Horror Nights this year. So yeah. I, oh, really? I, I, I got to make my – it being a universal movie and them trying to start this monster universe, it's just – it's – it's too easy to have that corporate synergy for it to not be at Halloween Horror Nights this year. Got it. I, I, it's Nothing's been confirmed yet, but I've just got a stinking feeling it's going to be there. <laughs> got it. Man. And if it's anything like the Dracula Untold house they did two years ago, it's going to be atrocious. <laughs> Remember Dracula Untold? No. They did a haunted house at uh, Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> Dracula Untold was supposed to be, if it was a success, uh, folded into this cinematic universe, and it wasn't, so... Luke Evans played Dracula Harper and um, and and like he was sired by Caligula, who was played by Charles Dance from 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 Game of Thrones, you know, and uh, that that ended with like Dracula in modern times. Dracula oh my being God. a super Dracula being a superhero. Oh my God! Ending up in modern times. Jesus Christ! Like it's not like he had a it's not like he had a costume or anything, but it was a superhero movie. So, wow. I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I, I love. I think Dracula is one of my favorite like stories, and so I, I just I, I die a little inside whenever <laughs> they, they turn it into something like that. I just uh, just absolutely awful. And at like, least uh, at least Luke Evans seems to be having some more fun in Beauty and the Beast than he did in Dracula. So. Sure. I didn't end up seeing that, by the way. They had a press screening like a couple weeks ago or a week ago, and I didn't. It was in the middle of the day, so I couldn't go. But uh, I've heard like mostly okay things about it i've heard everything i've heard is what i expected so. yeah it's it's the cartoon but but add like 30 minutes and a harpsichord character basically right uh i think stanley tucci plays um but Apparently. yeah i i that little candlestick thing terrifies me i'm sorry <laughs> like, I, i've seen the previews and i'm like i'm horrified by the actual like live action versions of these like you know, household objects that are moving and stuff. Oh God, it's all right. It's, it's, uh, I, I, we'll, we'll talk more about Dan Stevens in a minute. Cause I feel like I need to based on the subject matter, but all right. Speaking of shared universes, X-Men. So Logan is the latest in uh, these X-Men universe movies that Fox continues to produce. And, you know, Fox is in like a weird spot right now because like, you know, for a while, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand the continuity of these movies at all, which is really <laughs> bad for somebody that's been like a comic book fan my entire life, you know. And I have a hard time sort of explaining what counts and what doesn't count. So, like, let's let, let me let me lay down the 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 gra- the ground rules on this one. So, you had the first three X Men movies, mm-hmm. you had the Wolverine Origins movie. Then you had First Class, which took it to the '60s, and had Logan as a as in a cameo. So Wolverine still existed then. Then Days of Future Past wiped out the first three movies in Wolverine. Uh, in Wolverine, 
And well, the Wolverine Origins movie, right? Is that, oh, um, it, I think some of those events still happened, and I, I think like based on Logan, the only X Men movie that for sure happened was the first one. Okay. Yeah, that's true. They do kind of mention that. God, what a fucking headache. Oh my, why'd they make it so hard? You know? <laughs> this is like- I, I think the only ones that count are first class, or this whole, like, prequel trilogy, whatever you want to call it, uh, that ends with Apocalypse, and then the first X-Men movie, and then I assumed all three Wolverine movies still happened, but I don't know. I don't, and I don't then think, Deadpool's in there somewhere. I don't think that Origins movie counts anymore, man, because, like, Xavier shows up in it, and, like, there's, Emma, right. there's a young Emma Frost and a young Cyclops, and they don't really line up with the ages in Apocalypse. Right. I mean, right. granted, I'd rather, I'd rather not think about Apocalypse ever again, but – or, actually, to be honest with you, any of these other X-Men movies, because let me, let, let me just say this. I think most X-Men movies are fucking terrible. Like, I think they're bad movies. And uh, that's an unpopular opinion. Even like the the early singer stuff, I don't like. They're not good X Men movies. And I remember coming out of those those films as a as a kid. Like I think I was in college when X Two came out, and I just thought, man, when are they ever gonna make an X Men movie? <laughs> it it never to me never felt right, and I felt like a lot of it had to do with like miscasting early on. But the only thing that ever worked for me was Hugh Jackman. Like Hugh Jackman. Uh, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen mm-hmm. were like mm-hmm. three like three pillars that I enjoyed. What, what was that, Shane? I, I was just agreeing. Yeah, oh, I think sure. that that's pretty universally agreed that those three are 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 exactly made for those roles, pretty much. Yeah, and so I guess the nice thing about this Logan movie is that it, it sort of plays to like this the same like ballpark that like Deadpool does, and and this Legion TV show that's out now is that it's sort of it's it's like its own thing almost like you could just watch one of those movies and not know anything about the X-Men at all and still have a pretty good time with it. I know we never, we never even podcasted about old Deadpool, which is fine, but Logan, you know, it's, 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 it really does stand on its own as like a, as a, as a, as a satisfying cinematic experience, I think. And I saw it weeks ago and I mean, I came out, thinking that might be one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. I was just really enthralled by it in a way that I, I wasn't with James Mangold's previous attempt at making one of these films in The Wolverine, though I liked that movie. Fine. This just blew it, blew right past it. But I, I don't know, guys. I mean, um, you know, Harper, you, you, you were a fan of this film, right? Yeah, no, I, I liked it quite a bit. It's it's maybe not my f- personal favorite X-Men movie, but it's it's definitely in the top two <laughs> at the very least. You know, it, it sets up a really interesting universe not and that has very little to do with the actual kind of mutant situation. There's only kind of, you know, that that's really on the periphery as opposed to being like, there's this big problem where somebody's trying to get rid of the mutants and do this. Like that, that's kind of, you know, that's obviously in here because you, you almost can't do an X-Men movie without something like that, um, or at least they can't seem to. But that's so kind of on the periphery, and the actual story is such a personal one that it's it's much more interesting than most of the stuff they've done in the past. And yeah, I mean, I think bringing Wolverine into the kind of R-rated version of the X-Men universe that that Deadpool set forth was pretty smart, g- given his his powers and what he uh, what he does best. So yeah, doing that made it kind of or a little more interesting, and it was certainly fun to see Patrick Stewart in that, um, you know, as, as Professor Xavier in that kind of. Uh, open setting so yeah i mean it was it was great 
Boy, boy, is it ever R-rated, by the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah no kidding. But, but. Yeah, and it gets to the point where it's almost overkill when some of the language, I'm like, okay, you already had the R rating. You can you can back off a little bit. I know. We're, we're, we're Logan. I mean, like one of the first lines he says is, fuck. And it just like, it almost feels like they're pushing it just to do it. You know? I, I think it was when Patrick Stewart said fuck for the first time. I was like, oh, okay, we've, that's enough. It's rated R. We get it. <laughs> it. It does seem like a weird betrayal of that character, but... He is at at like his very end. So yeah, uh, Shane, did you enjoy this movie? I did. Uh, I think it's one of the few of these X Men movies to actually feel like an X Men comic book, because um, a lot of times, um, and I don't really know. Like I say that, and then at the same time, I don't think I can really put to words very well what that should look like. What an X Men movie that looks like an X Men comic book should look like. But I feel like a lot of these movies don't feel like an X-Men comic when I watch them, but I don't know. It just, um, and maybe it just, it feels the most like a comic book in general and not just an action movie. And which is kind of crazy because the one pull quote that keeps on being used in all these Logan ads is, Oh, it transcends the comic book genre. And I'm just like, maybe if you haven't read a lot of comic books and don't realize <laughs> this feels exactly like a comic book, if you think all comic books are like what these other X-Men movies are like, then I guess you'd feel like it transcends that genre. But it felt right at home to me, and but yeah, as somebody that's never been a huge Wolverine fan by any means, I I really enjoyed it. You know, I think that's a weird not not you not your statement, but what they're saying. The um, that it, that it I hate whenever that anytime a comic movie is good, they try to say shit like that mm-hmm. to get some my nerves. Well, I think it's it, it should be said that it, it transcends the superhero genre which I think is different than the comic book genre, right? I mean, yeah. like there's there's plenty of comic book movies that completely break the boundaries of what you'd expect out of like your superhero stuff. Like I don't if you ever see this movie Diary of a Teenage Girl or uh, American Splendor, like movies that that take on like the indie world mm-hmm. or ghost world. Yeah. Um like that that's I mean, those are comic book movies too, but no one ever, you know, wants to admit that. Right. Cuz you know, the 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 go-to definition for comic book movie is Marvel. Right. And right. it does it does transcend the Marvel model. That's for sure. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there is no world ending scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no big you know ring of fire in the sky or whatever. There is no like the team has to fall apart to come back together kind of thing. There, there is no power of friendship moment. It's, it's just a story about a man and a little girl and their, and his surrogate father, you know, traveling. And it's really has a lot more in common with like the road mm-hmm. or, um, unforgiven, you know, the old Clint Eastwood movie, uh, that's uh, you know, and I think, and I, and I think, James Mangold in all his interviews, maybe he's coming across as a little too brusque here, uh, but he he talks to some of these reporters and they'll, they'll ask him, like, so why did you want to make a movie that's so different from all the other superhero movies? And his answers have really sort of vacillated between, well, why should I make the same movie over and over again that everyone else is making? And, well, this formula is dying because it's just becoming run into the ground, which – uh, you know, I, I would debate considering how many people go and see these damn movies, but maybe creatively it's running out of gas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know. But, you know, having so many Marvel movies come out every single year, 
you with the same kind of beats and the same kind of formula with just like a little bit of dressing to sort of twist it just a tad like, oh, this one's got a little heisty thing. This one's got a little political thriller thing. But really, they're all sort of the same structurally um, that I can see why why someone would want to do something so dramatically different. Yeah, I mean, it makes it makes sense. And and, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that the the kind of, you know, not world ending, but kind of the the actual like threat that's happening in this movie is sort of, you know, on the edges of the actual story. But it's actually a pretty interesting one that they kind of set up this um, this whole thing with where Xavier may or may not have, you know, accidentally killed off most of the X-Men, you know, with one of his psychic seizures or, or whatever. And um, so the, there's, you know, there's not very many mutants around anymore and that they're using the government is kind of using mutant DNA just to try and, you know, make the human race better. In, in kind of like a genetic modification of food, you know, kind of metaphor, I guess. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a kind of an interesting play and they, they set up an, a really kind of a clever world that doesn't feel, you know, it's not like they don't take the future stuff t- so far that it feels, uh, you know, overdone or, or, you know, ridiculous at all. It, uh, you know, e- even in something like days of future past, which I actually like where, where the tech, you know, seem is, is very like sci-fi. This is so much more grounded it feels like a, a a universe that could really exist, you know, in 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 twenty years or uh, whenever it's supposed to take place. I don't remember, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a really interesting kind of setup, and they they put together a good world for the movie to exist in, which is you know should be the first step, and is is not all that common in superhero movies. And then within that, we've got a character that that has a ton of history. I mean, he's as at this point, Hugh Jackman's been in more movies in a superhero franchise than anybody else. I'm sure, right? Yeah, because he okay, he's played him eight played the character eight times. Yeah, so that's that that eclipses. I think that eclipses Robert England or it equals Robert England's number of performances as Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So I was trying to go back and look at like how many times an actor like played a part in multiple occasions, and like there's there's a Japanese actor who played Zatoishi, you know, oh, yeah. like twenty fucking times, but. <laughs> I think for an American actor, this is like one of the one of the most in the modern era. If yeah, not the most. and and that that gives that automatically sets up kind of a really intense kind of personal history that you feel like you know this character really well because it we've seen this character you know eight times and it's always played by the same person so you feel a real kind of connection to and, and a knowledge about who this person is and what they've done and so so it's much more kind of intense knowing like how it's coming to an end and and this kind of family connection is is really much more interesting than if this was you know if this was the first x-men movie it, i think it would have been much more difficult to pull off because it's uh that that history adds so much to the to the movie and to the story so uh, as an aside uh, I, I think I, I was sitting there counting and i think robert downey will come close by the end of infinity war i think because yeah. that would be the three Iron Man movies, two Avengers movies, Cap Civil War, and two uh, Infinity War movies. Or, you know, if there's two, I don't know, maybe there's one. But I think that comes up to like eight movies. So I think, unless my math is just really fucking terrible, or maybe seven. So, yeah, he he he, he will he will equal that. Which I think is pretty good to say because that's like uh, Jackman uh, – Jackman's sort of like this defining performance in the same way that Robert Downey Jr. is for the character. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I I think the character has, has not changed to the extent 
under Hugh Jackman's tutelage that it, that Iron Man has changed in the comics to like to match Robert Downey Jr. But I, I think it's iconic in a similar way. Like if, if you were to come up with your top five superhero acting performances, I'm pretty sure most people would put Hugh Jackman in that top five, if not like in the top three. Mm-hmm. Most likely, anyway. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's there's always your Christopher Reeve and Heath Ledger partisans and stuff. But I definitely am such a huge fan of that of that of him in that role. So you know, another interesting thing about this movie that 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 strikes me is sort of Mangold's understanding of Wolverine's iconography and uh, how both of his his Logan Wolverine movies sort of play to different elements of the same like coin for uh this character you know i don't know if you guys have ever read like the old like wolverine comics from the 80s that claremont and and miller did where um you know wolverine goes to japan and gets married and and all this stuff but he he's always sort of had like this this gaijin sort of ronin thing and and those comics and then of course when you look at some of like his some of this old man logan stuff and other other books, you know, of, of that same sort of same sort of color. Uh, it, there's also also a bit of a Western element to that. So he's always kind of like an Eastern Western kind of guy, really sort of in the same same mold as like Yojimbo and like the Man with No Name, uh, which are more or less the same character, just like one's one's American, one's not, one's Japanese. Um, and I, I think it's fascinating that that the the two Mangold movies really do play to that. Like you've got this Eastern sort of samurai tale uh, in the Wolverine, and then Logan is just like a straight up neo Western. And I, I thought that was a really cool way to present that character, uh, you know, with 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 its film within its filmic value, you know, sort of bring the DNA right to the screen in a way that, that I think really transcends any of these X-Men movies. The Wolverine's not necessarily what I would call a great film or anything, but the, there's a heart there that doesn't seem present in like X2 or, uh, I don't know, in Days of Future Past. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a, a, a more of a love for the actual character than for just like, hey, what if we had Sentinels show up this time? Right. Um, you know, there's the, these two movies stand out in, in the whole X-Men franchise for sure in being the two that care the most about the actual characters and what's happening to them as opposed to the the threat and, you know, how the team's going to handle it kind of thing. Well, until that giant robot shows up anyway. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that lady that that pulls her own skin off, but that that's a different movie. It's a different movie. Uh, <laughs> we, we 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 won't talk about it um, too much. But so the, the, you know the, I, the rest of this film also has like some pretty good supporting performances too. Like I think this is the best Patrick Stewart's ever been in the role. I would yeah. agree. I mean, it's the most he's had to do in the role. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my buddy after you know after or after seeing like the first preview my buddy Matt was like um wow this is he might actually get to act <laughs> <laughs> rather than like just put his hand on his head you know like uh like James McAvoy started doing and uh you know be be a wise and sage in a wheelchair basically or or you have uh X2 where all he did was sit there and stare at somebody else in a wheelchair <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that's true um yeah no i this he was really good in this and and uh yeah i was i was surprised a little surprised at myself at how much uh how much it bothered me when uh when something really bad happens to him (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. I mean, what he's, he's, it, it's hard not to like have some sort of relation to like the idea of, uh, like, a, yeah, he, he's, he's kind of standing in for the family member that is slowly, but surely, you know, failing to like Alzheimer's or something right? Or neurodegenerative generative disease. That's, that's a real, it's a real palpable thing. And it's, it's more, I think it's more emotional than anything I've seen in one of these X-Men movies in a long time, if ever. It's pretty poignant, and it was it's, it was smart to go that route with um with that character for sure. It, it, I mean, it makes sense given given the power set and all that too. Um, just to to meld that into the story, but you know, they Xavier and Wolverine have always had kind of an, an interesting kind of adoptive father sort of thing going on. So to have that, you know, be like their their last hurrah was was really smart. And of course, you've got the adoptive daughter in this role too, which I think like brings a new sort of element to Jackman's performance too. But Daphne Keene as X twenty three, Laura is really, really, really terrific. Which for sort of a first time actress in a major motion picture is pretty pretty impressive. Um, I, I think I was mostly taken with how how much she gets across with so little. Like she doesn't say right. anything. But she's still, you know, this little ball of ferocity, and um, and when she does finally start talking, it's outstanding. I mean, I think she gets the one moment in the movie where I thought I was getting choked up. Yeah, I had I had two major major thoughts about her character watching the movie, and the, the f- first as the sound guy being, uh, I, I I wonder how fun it was to be in the studio on that day when she just came in and screamed like a thousand times. <laughs> Because um, that's all for the first like forty minutes of the movie. That's more or less all you hear from her. Um, but the the other thing I was really happy about, and this, this is not not quite so much her as as it is on the script. But I'm really glad that they didn't stick with the um, the little girl who's mute trope that's becoming a kind of a common post Stranger Things thing. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that eventually she does talk, and that it, the story becomes much more interesting when she does. Um, so I was glad that that was not something they stuck with for the entire movie because it's it's been done. Yeah, and um, I, I read somewhere. Hannah, I think Hannah told me yeah, that's what happened. She told me that they that, that when they were initially pulling this character together, the the the, the one thing that Mangold had insisted upon that is, was that she was actually played by a little girl mm-hmm. and not like a, a teenager or someone that could like potentially be confused for a romantic interest with Jackman, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really a great move. Um, because if there's one thing I've noticed about Hugh Jackman in these roles, uh, he doesn't have good romantic chemistry with anybody. <laughs> I mean, at all. Uh, the, I, I mean, I went, I watched that Wolverine movie again recently and boy, he has no chemistry with Tao Akimoto as Mariko. He's got no chemistry with Famke Jensen as, as Jean Grey. And that's no that's no, uh, you know, mark against him. But, you know, number one, it just doesn't really like the, the romantic tension never feels earned. And then number two, gross. Uh, if, 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 if like we're talking about somebody that's like his daughter, more or less his clone daughter, but his daughter, ugh, you know, and I, and I think it was really wise to like never go there. Because, you know, the Internet, if, if, if they'll do anything, they'll find a way to make two characters fuck one another. <laughs> so uh, it's best to like, you know, and in many cases, who cares? Right. That's you do it. Do you do you? But like this is that, that would like to, to avoid that problem altogether was really smart. 
Yeah, and it brings a, an entirely different dynamic to the movie, obviously, that uh, that wouldn't have been there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Logan is always like, I don't know, man. I feel like every great Wolverine story I've ever read, he's basically doing the lone wolf and cub thing. Yeah, that's where... true. Maybe not in the movie so much, I, I guess, except maybe with Rogue in the first movie. That's uh, it. Yeah, Rogue. Rogue is like the Jubilee stand-in yeah, in that first yeah. X-Men movie, right? And, and in all the comics, he's always with Jubilee. She's and it's never a romantic thing. It's like it's like a father-daughter or uncle-niece kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, th- that ends up sort of sort of happening again, I think, in like the Old Man Logan comic. A comic that's not very good, by the way. I don't recommend anyone. Read yeah, it. if if you if you want to buy that based on the movie, you, you might be in for a little bit of a surprise. It's it's not quite and quite the same, and it's so overhyped. Oh, it's, it's bad. I think it's like, okay. People always want to people always want to point to that as like one of the best Wolverine stories and one of the best Marvel comics yeah, in recent no. years, and it's like no. It's got some fun, like kind of like taking some of the the superheroes and villains to like a ridiculous futuristic end. Like I like the whole idea with the redneck hulks is kind of funny, but uh, but otherwise it's yeah it's pretty um, pretty bland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I I found it kind of like not offensive, but really just so over the top that it was hard to take even rem- remotely seriously. Um, but it's got some cool ideas, and, and it is sort of like the kernel by which this this movie sort of grew out of, like mm-hmm. like old old Logan. But eh, let's get rid of everything else. Yeah, <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's literally what this movie is, and I think it's much better for it. And uh, I don't know, you just I really do think you get Hugh Jackman's best performance in the role, period, because he's taking a lot of that history from the previous movies but imbuing it with like a lot of remorse and pain and it isn't just all anger anymore. Um, matter of fact, he's, he's, he's only anger, angry and like intermittent points throughout the film. Mostly he's just kind of sad and tired and dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, there, there, there are scenes that really, sometimes it looks like he's sort of overmannering it. Like he's really, like he's like, he's really trying to act. And he really wants you to know this is the movie where I'm going to be acting. Um, but then there's sometimes where it works really, really well, like that bit where he's burying Charles um, and he just sits there. He didn't say anything. He just kind of like the, he's kind of like doing a little prayer to himself or whatever. And, uh, you know, you can just see sort of the emotion on his face and it works so well. It, I, it, it, it's Man, it's it's the best X Men movie, Harper. I don't know what what you got at number one, but it's not better than this. Uh, I, uh, First Class is my favorite by by a long shot. Uh, okay, I adore right. that movie. But all right, all right. I'll, I'll allow that one because uh, <laughs> you know you know what's funny about First Class is that I think it's in a similar vein to Logan in that and Deadpool um, stands is, kind of alone. Yeah, it stands alone. Uh, it's a filmmaker doing what they want to do with the with the film rather than like worrying about universe building mm-hmm. because. First class was not meant to spin off, you know, this stupid decade spanning shit that, that that Singer did afterwards. So I can I can come to appreciate it from that angle as well. Plus, you know, you get the best Michael Fassbender performance in the role and you get Kevin Bacon. So, um, yeah, I, I could be down for first class. Yeah, I love that movie. That, that's the that's the one of the entire franchise that I've gone back and watched a couple times since and, and still really like it. Um, despite some of the issues that it has. 
Um, hey, I just wanted to point out also on the villain end, like I, you know, so many of these Marvel like Marvel movies, you know, Fox and everybody else. It doesn't matter if it's Fox or Marvel Studios; they have villain problems. And boy, yep. was that was that ever apparent in both Days of Future Past and Apocalypse? Just fucking awful bad guys. But I thought the villain here was pretty good. You know, Boyd Holbrook playing uh, Donald, whatever his name is, uh, Donald Pierce, friend, the leader of the Reavers. You know, not a not a super well defined character, but I think a pretty menacing one in that he sort of seems like this approximation of the 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 concept of the handsome black hat, which is you know sort of this uh, you know a trope in westerns. You always got this good looking bad rogue guy that's a real piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of what he was playing to there. And I thought that was impressive because I've always thought Boyd Holbrook was the best of like the bland blonde guys that always shows up in these action movies. But I'm glad he really got a chance to sort of showcase that. And, uh, you know, it hasn't been lost on me that, that this is a character named Donald that's obsessed with his hands. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh, is a, this is a pretty good little supporting cast of kind of those those characters outside of the main three too. I liked um, is it is Stephen Merchant? That's his name, right? Yeah, it's Caliban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was he was great. He was interesting as kind of you know, especially in the beginning, being that that kind of sarcastic, uh, I guess almost like uncle character that lives lives with them was kind of kind of a, a yeah. fun, interesting dynamic. And then you know, obviously where that ends up going was was pretty uh kind of heartbreaking for that character also i just um yeah. I, I, I liked the character but like i feel like i don't know i and this might be a weird complaint but like i'm tired of like these x-men movies being written like we need a character that can do this because otherwise we don't know how to move the plot forward so how do we like are there, are there any characters in the marvel archives in the x-men universe that can do this and like both x-men apocalypse and Logan needed a character that could track mutants. That's and true. I don't know. I guess I'm just tired of like them being like, I don't know. Like if Caliban was always meant to be in the movie, that's one thing, but like him being an afterthought and or only being included because they specifically needed him for one purpose. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the same as like when X 23 or Logan or, uh, Xavier are included in it. I feel like he's only in it because, oh, well, we need him for later in the movie. The um, His usage in Apocalypse is especially egregious because he kind of has nothing to... He, he's nothing like Caliban from the comics, you know? He looks like him, but he's really not the same character. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty funny. I think your brother told me this, so and I thought that was funny, is that... The, neither production knew the other was using Caliban. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty, pretty funny thing. Uh, and of all the mutants in the X-Men universe, wow, we both thought of Caliban. That is weird. I've <laughs> never heard of him outside of the, the movies. And, you know, honestly, until you just brought it up, I completely forgot he was in Apocalypse. <laughs> He's a pretty good character from, like, the old olden days of X-Men, um, you know, pre-90s, like, Claremont stuff. Like, there's a really good cover 
and story where I think the, I can't remember who it is. Maybe it's the hellfire club or somebody makes Kitty pride, marry him or something. Mm. And there's this awful cover where he's like really happy and like the <laughs> and stuff. And she's crying in this. Gown. <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, nowadays it would not pass uh muster. I don't think, but back then it's, it was kind of an iconic thing. And, but yeah, I'm just, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like when you have a universe of characters that have such specific powers, it's kind of lazy to be like, oh, well, we need a character that can do this. So that way this can happen. And like, I don't know, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it just it feels like a little a, a tad lazy to just it, it feels like a really easy way to write yourself out of certain plots or put yourself in certain scenarios. Well, and it's, you know, I don't know which is which is worse doing that or th- this movie almost goes over the line of of doing like. Uh, hey, let's have another Wolverine character in this movie. <laughs> like, how many have there been in the in the X Men franchise? Um, th- this movie has three people with the same, the exact same mutant power, um, which is going well, at least uh, thematically. It, all three of those make sense, right? Well, like, and it, yeah, and it makes sense for kind of the story. Like, there's the whole father daughter thing, and then he's he the other. Uh, I guess it's kind of Dokken is almost like uh, you know Logan having to face his himself in the past like what he used to be yeah it makes sense from a story perspective but it was i I did think about that being like oh my god do they do they really need a third wolverine character well or a fifth or sixth you know in this franchise there's been a million people with essentially the exact same powers well i I think that's better than i think that's better than being like oh this guy's only here because we want it to make sense why these black suvs are going to roll up everywhere (laughs) true Harper, that is not Dawkins. Dawkins is actual son. Yeah, so. I know, but it's it was sort of uh, yeah. And isn't he like half Japanese or something? Yep, he is indeed. He's also I think he's also bisexual, maybe. Not oh, that that at any point in this movie, but he's just a de- cool, diverse character. Whereas this is just a clone of Wolverine. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, matter of fact, he actually looked more like Sabretooth to me. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. That, uh, the way they made him look um, and talk about a character that's been so wasted and could have been so cool. Is yeah. Saber two. Yeah. yeah I agree. They're brothers, right? I think is the, is the, is the yeah. law between them or half brothers. And I, 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 I've read interviews where they said that they thought about including Sabretooth in this movie, which I think would have probably maybe been overkill, um, which is why they dropped him. But I would have really been interested to see how they present that because Gosh, one would they have recast the role? Because if you if you put if you put uh, Liev Schreiber in that movie, all of a sudden people start thinking about that other shitty Wolverine mm. movie, and they're right. like, well, maybe that movie's canon. But you're not going. Yeah, you don't want Tyler Mayne either. No, <laughs> the wrestler that can't act. <laughs> but the the best role he's played is one where he didn't speak, which would be Michael Myers. So, <laughs> so like they'd have to really consider what they do. I mean, I'd much rather have Leif Schreiber, who's actually a good actor. But um, I don't. I I, I, I think they were, they probably had realized all these complications would come up with that character. So, which is too bad though. I mean, he is Wolverine's like ultimate bad guy. And in his final story, that's probably the guy he should be facing. Right. I agree. If it was a comic book, it would have been Sabretooth. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, just one, one quick shout out to Eric LaSalle, who, uh, you know, old time ER fans like, well, not like me, but I, I sure saw a lot of it as a kid. Uh, you know, he, he pops up for that middle bit at the farmhouse. He's the dad. 
and he oh, looks, I didn't know that. Yeah, he looks way different. <laughs> it's it's been about twenty something years, but uh, they've caught up to him, I guess. But he uh, he he's got. It's nice to see him in a role in, in something big. He's he was a great actor, um, and uh, yeah, it was. You know, that bit in the farmhouse was one of my favorite bits. Yeah, I love how it, it was definitely like the whole time I was watching the movie, and even when I got to the end, I was like, "Why were people crying watching this?" And that farmhouse scene was the only thing I could think of that made sense why people would even get teared up during that movie. Shane, I almost got teared up by the end, man. No, I, dude. Oh my god, her last line. Oh, to him, I was. I just felt like I've seen Wolverine die so many times. I just don't <laughs> care anymore. Yeah, that's true. I was much more affected by Xavier's death than than Wolverine's. Yeah, I, I you know, when she, it, it's the way Daphne Keene does it, man. When she's like, "Daddy," I, I can understand that. I can understand that. She, it, it, it's her, not him. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I, I feel like. Uh, you know, some of my, my my pals that are that are dads of daughters uh, are probably going to get are, are going to get emotionally affected by that one. Probably. Um, I, I don't know. For me, it just it just hit me at the right moment. Whereas the Xavier thing I thought was sad, especially when he's like wrapped up in the back of that mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. And then the, their, his you know burial scene is, of course, also sad. But I don't know, man, just something about that end. That's that's where it really hit me. Uh, I think it was more, I was, uh, it, it might've been a little bit, uh, the, the theater experience I had with it because there was some like 10 year old kid that was blowing his nose the whole time during that movie. So it sucks and, the drama then, right out. <laughs> well that, and then like, there was this, I know we've talked before about how sometimes the experience of, of the audience you see the movie with can definitely have a huge effect on your enjoyment. Um, there, there was this lady that like, had to say awe at everything that was remotely cute. <laughs> and when she turned the cross into an X, she was like, oh, and I was like, really? You didn't see that coming that that was going to be a thing. That's funny. Oh man. Um, well, uh, Shane, so is, is where does this rank for you in the X-Men pantheon? Um, I, I'm still willing to say first class just because I'm is better for me, but just because I'm just such a sucker for X-Men, seeing more X-Men characters, but I think it might be two or three for me. I really don't know. Well, you know, I, I, I asked this last time when Apocalypse came out, <laughs> but it's like, where the hell does this franchise go from here? And this movie actually, I think, makes things more complicated only because with Apocalypse, you're like, well... I guess they'll just make another stupid X-Men movie. But <laughs> now you've got like this movie that kind of ends Wolverine, right? Hugh Jackman's not says he's not coming back. Um, and chances are Charles Xavier is now just fully in the realm of James McAvoy and no longer, you know, a Patrick Stewart thing. Mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't know what they should do. Like you've got like their their best most success most well-received films lately have been these these movies that are very filmmaker-led, that are not tied into one another explicitly, and uh, they're finding a lot of success there, and that's where they're getting all their press now. And you also have this really good TV show on FX called Legion uh, that Harper and I are watching. Shane, I don't guess you've started watching that yet, have you? No. 
Oh, man. Oh, God. It's one of those that, like, I missed the first episode or two, and I just haven't tried to catch up. Oh, man. Hey, Har- Harper, we, we can, can we give Shane, like, the, the quick elevator pitch for this thing? Yeah. Well, I, I know I know who Legion is, so, like, it, or, well, I know him as that one guy that caused the Age of Apocalypse to happen, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. He, he did that, indeed. Um like it's it's man, I think it's one of the best TV shows that's debuted this year. I mean, I know yeah. it's early, but it's got low bar, to... but yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, it's excellent. It's... When you have the likes of Riverdale being its competition, then <laughs> uh, I'm well. This is a whole different conversation, but <laughs> you all can hate me for this, but I actually like Riverdale. <laughs> oh, I, I liked I liked that first episode, but it's it's definitely trash. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's yeah definitely. But um no uh um Legion is excellent though. It's 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 um it definitely takes uh takes up some of the cues from Mr. Robot, I think, and in, in taking a, sh- making a show like almost more about the style than anything else. It's like incredibly stylish. And I, I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into just a single episode from a editing perspective and a visual effects perspective and a sound perspective. There's, it's so fascinating what they, what they do with this story and with these characters and with this period in making it just look and feel and sound unlike any other TV show I've ever seen. Um, it's uh, it's it's a real treat, and I think actually Shane, you're probably in a better position than than we are having being able to watch it kind of all at once. It would probably um, a, a lot more things would probably fall into place and and click. Um, that's my maybe my only complaint is watching it week to week. It's a little difficult to remember what's going on because it is so kind of out there and and that's kind of like crazy. reading a comic book, anyways. So. Yeah, yeah, very very much. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's bonkers it's batshit crazy um to, to to answer your question though kyle about where the x-men franchise go i feel like the answer lies in like the fact that these movies recently that are so different like it's got to be character driven and not oh what major x-men story can we adapt like yeah. we need to we need to focus more on on these characters because that that's the problem with because first class was good because it was more character and then days of future past and apocalypse and now we're di- gonna we're on the precipice of doing fucking dark phoenix again um they're like oh well let's what are the big x-men stories we can adapt and i think we've we're past that like that that doesn't need to be a thing anymore and i'm hoping marvel studios gets that gets to that point too after we're done with infinity war because it, it shouldn't be any more about what big story do we have to right. adapt? Like that can, that can help inform, like it can help like maybe inspire what you're wanting to do, but it, it shouldn't be your focus. Well, they've kind of tapped most of the major stories, especially in X-Men. They've really tapped most oh, of yeah. the major oh, lines yeah. and most of them had been a mess. They've, they've really screwed up most of them. The, the only yeah. thing, I don't know why this comes to mind, but maybe just because it was, it was the last X-Men series comic series that I really, really enjoyed. I almost think something in the vein or the era of um, Wolverine and the X-Men like a like almost the the era of them starting up the school and not having like a, a a major villain, but just kind of how that the dynamics of that works with um I mean obviously they're not going to do Wolverine doing the school, but you know with with them kind of starting that up and and building it from the ground up would be might be kind of interesting. That was the last kind of mm-hmm. X Men series that I was like really attached to, so that's the first kind of idea that comes to my mind. I hope this resurrection stuff is good though when it comes to the comics. I hope something is good out of all that. I don't even know anything about that. I'm so out of the loop on on the Marvel stuff because it's all been so well. X Men Gold and X Men Blue are back. Oh, Lord, 
God, this is a whole whole yeah. other thing, but but Marlon DC old man does. Logan's on like six different teams. Yeah, so. I, I know that. Yeah, I've I've <laughs> never been less interested in in the big two as I as I am right now. I'm reading. Oh, it's more nothing. Marvel. D- DC's great right now. Yeah. Well, we'll circle back to that comic conversation yeah. in just a sec, <laughs> uh, because I really do want to like talk just just now. I think I think Shane, you're right. Uh, I think revisiting the Dark Phoenix saga would be a disaster. Well, it's going to be. <laughs> I know, but part of it is that Sophie Turner's really bad as Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh my God. And you need like a good actor to play that role as Dark Phoenix. And I, I well, uh, although I don't know, maybe she hasn't had enough chance to stretch her legs in that role because Apocalypse, all it really was was like, here's that redheaded girl that can move stuff. Right. <laughs> well, and for Dark Phoenix to make any sense and have any kind of impact, you have to care about that character. She's been in one movie and she was not particularly good or didn't play a you know much of an interesting part in it either. So why should I give right. a shit if she goes bad? You right. Know? I tell you what would make me enjoy a Dark Phoenix movie is if they just go all out with the crazy, crazier Shiar. aspects of the X-Men. Yeah, bring in the Shi'ar. Bring in, like, Lilandra and Gladiator and all that stuff. Oh, like, yeah. That'd be fun. Make it just crazy as hell. Uh, like, I mean, you see how Guardians of the Galaxy works? I mean, like, who the hell would have predicted four years ago that people would be, like, excited about a second movie with Groot and Rocket Raccoon and stuff like that in it? So Yeah, that's no, very right. true. You're right. Um, the the uh, the only other things that are in production beyond this X Men like four, I guess. I don't. I don't know what the dark TV show. TV. Well, there's the TV show, right? And, and, uh, and then you got Deadpool two, which just cast Domino Zazy Beats from um, Atlanta, yeah, who cool. is incredible. That's like what a casting coup that's going to be. That's going to have Cable in it too. Which boy, what a, what a complicated character Pockets. that is! <laughs> oh, I, and I'm sure they're going to fully embrace how complicated he is. Which is fine; they they should, uh, especially for something that's as meta as Deadpool like aims to be. But uh, then you've got New Mutants that's going to enter production soon too. Yeah, yeah. Um, X Force. I think New Mutants is going to be the wellspring by which most of this like future shared universe stuff really lives, because my guess is is that you're going to have, you know, in the comics, New Mutants led to X-Force, right? So I think you're going to have those kids that are in New Mutants. They're going to team up with, like, Deadpool and Cable and, you know, maybe a new Wolverine or something and, like, create, like, an uncanny X-Force type team. And I think hey, if I get Phantom X out of this, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I think that... I think the possibility for future like team movies is in those those X that X Force franchise instead, and I think they know that because this time jumping thing with the the the, the core X Men team really sucks, and I think it fucks them up because Days of Future Past permanently married the new cast to the old cast, which I think really just screwed the pooch um, because none of the old cast is going to come back, right? And frankly, I don't think I'd want them to. <laughs> I mean, I they're not. Say, is there anybody from that cast that you're desperate to see again? James Marsden is Cyclops. No, I not like really. Him. I like Cyclops. <laughs> he's 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 the total like Cyclops. He chip. just doesn't seem like he enjoys playing that role. He's okay. Boy. Cyclops is just such a boring character in general, though. 
like no, when you when, when you see James Marsden in Hairspray compared to James Marsden in X Men, like look which one he seems to be having more fun in. <laughs> sure, he gets nothing to do. That's that's a big part of the problem. But I mean, none of that old cast really has any worth anymore. I mean, if Hugh Jackman's done and Patrick Stewart is done and Ian McKellen, and they they never did Halle Berry justice. No, or that character justice. No, Storm, Storm, Storm's a, Storm's, I mean, I would basically say she was miscast. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just, I, I don't think we're ever going to see a core X-Men team movie in modern times again. And that is unfortunate. Like, the next movie's going to take place in the 90s, quote unquote. Um, Which is supposed to be when X-Men was good. <laughs> well, yeah, the last one quote-unquote took place in the 80s so you would never know it yeah. watching that movie <laughs> well, they cut out the, they cut out the one scene that obviously put it in the 80s so yeah. one of the many yeah. disappointing things about apocalypse Ugh. i mean it's just apocalypse bad. you don't like apocalypse touching well, tvs and learning about the world learning <laughs> oh my god so I, I i that's my guess man new mutants to x-force and that's that that'll be that 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 puts Deadpool, who's the new Wolverine, front and center. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's how I think the movies are going to handle it. I don't know about this Fox TV show. I mean, we'll see what that that's all about. But uh, if it's anything like Legion, if it has that kind of creative freedom, I'm I'm, I'm full speed ahead. Because as long oh, as it's not Gotham, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> it is on Fox, right? <laughs> so I don't know. FX and Fox are two very different animals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. Um, okay, so uh, let's pivot over to comics. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do before we close out the show, because we haven't talk, had a chance to talk about comics at all, was to uh, sort of lay down what good comics we're reading and just sort of just chat about that for like a few minutes. Uh, and so, uh, Shane, I mean, you mentioned that you think DC is doing really great right now. Are there any DC yeah. books that you really, really love that people should read? Still Superman. Yeah. Still Superman. And then uh, I'm kind of liking this Bane arc in Batman right now, Uh, mostly just because I really like um, David Finch's art. Yeah, other than that, um, I don't know. I feel like I've been kind of coasting with comics recently, like waiting for something to really, like, hook me in again. Like, I've picked up one or two new Marvel books, and they were okay or, like, interesting enough to keep me going, but nothing I'd write home about, like this Kingpin book. But, yeah, Superman, still Superman. You know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and beyond that, Doom Patrol, whenever it decides to come out, and uh, Shade the Changing Girl. Yeah, you know. Um, and, Harper, and Cave Carson. Cave Carson has gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. Harper, you would really like that Batman book, I think, man. Like, yeah, I, I've stuck with it for a while, and it just, I don't know, it just didn't grab me. And and I i, I fucking hate David Finch with, with every fiber of my being. He's one of my most hated comic artists, so I don't, I don't think I could deal with that. I think his art is better now than it's been in a long time, actually. Like, because he's got uh, Danny Mickey inking him. Yeah. And I think that really smooths out a lot of his problems. Like... Uh, I mean, every time I think of David, David, David Finch, I think of the um, that panel you put on Twitter from Forever Evil. <laughs> I just saw that I, on on Time Hop the other day. That's what made me think about it. Yeah, like I where where their cabin cold's kicking and it's just oh like, the leg, yeah. Oh my god. Well, see, that's like yeah. I mean, the inking. I, I'll have to check it out because definitely his the inking that's done on him usually is part of the problem it's so black there's just it's everything's so dark it looks ridiculous um yeah but well i mean 
Well, it's that's more a coloring thing than the inking thing with this one. I was like, it's not exactly very bright well, storyline yeah. <laughs> going on right now. So yeah, um, it's like um, it, it, yeah, he, Harper's right though. It's like darker lines are on, on yeah, areas, yeah. and that's 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 all. Yeah. On his figure work is not great though, in general. For for me, I, I don't really like his style. Yeah, I I think it's it's better now. I, I mean, I would I, I still wish he was with a different artist. But what I like about this run is that. I can't predict what's going to happen issue to exactly, issue. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's it's just like it's time. You know, with Scott Snyder, you kind of knew what was coming every time. It was going to be like a, a nine-part epic. And oh, was, that's what killed me. I'm so glad we're done with that. And it's going to be this thing that defines some element of Batman that you didn't have defined before. But this is this is like every issue takes on a different narrative tact. And it, it's some people are turned off by the book because it's like, oh, Batman talks about how when he was a kid, he wanted to commit suicide or, uh, you know, he's people he are just turned off from it because it's not Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder, I think is what it is. Uh, yeah, maybe um, it's, it's it's a less populist run, populist run than that. Uh, but I just I, I like a comic book where I just don't know what's coming. And yeah. I'm really excited about, oh, God, what what's King going to do next? Uh, which I guess next will be uh, a Watchmen crossover, but <laughs> yeah, but Flash is good too, so I'm hoping that Flash turns out fun. okay. Flash is fun. Um, Williams and stuff I've read. Wonder, Wonder Woman's good too. Um, yeah, and but yeah, Su- Superman and Super Sons are both just fantastic. Yeah, I I, I, have, I have fun reading those books. Um, and uh, I would like to make a quick shout out for Deathstroke. Um, really? Which, yes, yes. It is really good. No like it's 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 like the adult drama of uh, of superhero comics, man. Like in DC right now, Christopher Priest is writing it, and it is like. It, it doesn't read very well from every couple of weeks because it's like you need to remember what the hell happened previously. But it deals with like international espionage and betrayal and his uh, his family dynamics with his ex-wife and his son, you know, Jericho from the new teen from the Teen Titans. Uh, it's I mean, it's it's the best Slade story I've ever read. And it is. It's it's so good, man, and it's and it plays kind of similarly. I don't know if you guys ever like checked out any Christopher Priest stuff when he was writing Black Panther, mm-hmm. but it does sort of the same thing he did there, where there's those little boxes between chapters and within the comic that's that like have a title for like every like little little scene, and it's very cinematic. And I, God, man, I, I've never seen a character have this kind of turnaround before. But wow. I was I was dubious. And I started reading. And I was like, "Oh shit, this is good. All right, this is this is one of DC's best <laughs> comics." Like, I, I I would be really interested to hear what you think if you ever find those on the cheap somewhere. Um, I think they're on like issue twelve now. But I, I like I like a lot of the DC stuff right now. Yeah, I mean, but Marvel is just uh, they they don't know what to do. They, <laughs> they seem so lost. I you know I have Marvel Unlimited now though and I have <laughs> yeah but like that's all stuff that came out like three years ago so shit I'm reading stuff that came out forty years ago fifty years ago I'm <laughs> reading like the Stan Lee Jack Kirby stuff right now and having a blast uh, I was reading the Giant Monster comics and well uh, to be yeah speaking of Giant Monsters I was gonna say Monsters Unleashed has been fun that that's been a lot of fun yeah hey, hey Harper what are you reading man 
Uh, between Marvel and DC, I'm reading three books, I believe. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm reading Wonder Woman, which I'm about to drop because I only like half of the story. I really don't like the, <laughs> the modern the modern story at all, but I like the um, Nicola Scott stuff. Um, oh, man, she's, she's off the book. Oh, that's, well, yeah. Well, so maybe there's an even better reason for me to drop it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's funny. I like the modern day stuff better than the, than the year one stuff, I just, actually. I just can't get into the whole, like, you know, government agent, or, or government conspiracy stuff with with Diana. I don't know. It just doesn't click for me. And the fact that she's been out of it for, for the last like four issues of that too, in, in like a mental institution, it's just I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've, I lost interest really quickly. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm reading at, at DC, uh, uh, DC proper, anyways. And then Marvel. I think Star Wars and Spider Woman are the only things I'm reading. And I still I adore Spider Woman. That book is fantastic. It's been been yeah. really really good. Um, uh, with uh. Uh, Javier Rodriguez on it, and then now with him, Veronica Fish. It's been great, really good. Just kind of, you know, relationship story. Seems like Dennis Hopeless is like the one promising writer at Marvel right now. Yeah, uh, uh, him and maybe like that Al Ewing that everybody seems to like. I did not care for U.S. Avengers. I, I don't know about his other work, but I didn't care for U.S. Avengers. People say good things about the Ultimates when he was writing that. I don't know if he's still writing that or not. I, I, I can't keep up with Marvel, but um, like fully, but. I got friends that really like Al Ewing, um, but Dennis Hopeless is like the guy that. Uh, if there's i feel like maybe that's the guy that should build that x-men franchise around instead yeah. of like yeah because i i read that instead X-Men of cullen bun <laughs> yeah god cullen bun i i, I don't I, I don't know why these companies keep trying to make him work i, I just i don't i don't get it man he, he's fine on monsters and unleashed but yeah i have no desire to read his x-men stuff Oof, I, his work's bad uh, i mean it's 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 per oh, excuse me it's perfectly mediocre it's just bland um, yeah he's not a particularly great writer so wait, uh, so you're, you're just reading those two. Are you reading anything in Image, Harper? Uh, I'm reading a lot of Image still. Blanking off the top of my head. No, nothing that's super new, I don't think. Uh, I've been picking right. up a lot of kind of indie books. I, I, I did want to mention, just because I, I thought about it, because I finished it last night, the last issue of um, Big Trouble, Little China, Escape from New York that crossover was <laughs> yeah. like the, one of the most fun things I've read in a long time. It, it's just as ridiculous as it sounds like it would be. Um, they They get into a lot of like, there's like a you know a, a hundred parallel universes and they all have like a different version of Snake, um, and uh, so Jack Burton is like the the only like happy version of Snake essentially that that shows up. Um, it, it's just a it's a really fun story and the art is fantastic. It's um, Daniel Bayless who did the art on that um, uh, Kennel Block Blues that I also really liked last year. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's if you have any any love for for either of those fran- those movie franchises, um, well, I guess you can't really call Big Trouble in Little China a franchise, <laughs> but um, those those characters or those universes, um, it's definitely worth a read. It was really fun. Do you remember who the writer is on that? Um, oh, it's uh, it's Greg Pak. Oh, nice. Yeah, very good. That's surprising. Yeah, it was very good. It was it was very fun and and goofy and kind of you know uh, very a little meta. My image pull is really small now. Um, the only because mostly because a bunch of my books keep ending is the only well, thing. Yeah, I mean, my I just I just don't have time because I read every DC book, <laughs> and so um, the the image the, the I, I have I just have Saga just piling up. I have it's I have mm-hmm. I have Wicked Divine just piling up, and I, I I keep promising myself I will read these things. The only thing the only thing I pick up immediately and read is Southern Bastards. Oh, that's um, so good. And yeah. uh, that's 
that's like the one thing I will like read the day it comes out. Um, but everything else is just like, it's just, I, I'm like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I got like five issues of each that I just haven't read. And I, I love those books, but I've just, I, I just, I never have time to sit down and do it. Cause I've just got so much other stuff to read. And I will tell you guys, Hellboy's taking a hurting right now. Um, the, you know, not I feel like only Shane would care about this, but Roberson's uh, not doing a good job. Hell no. Uh-uh. That's unfortunate. This 1954 thing is bad. I don't like his it. fables. His fables stuff was good. He only did like the Cinderella standalone stories, but like, that's, that's sad to hear. Well, yeah, yeah, not 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 a fan, not a fan. All right, well, that, that there, there there's some comic recommendations for you. Uh, you know, check out that that Big Trouble in Little China thing sounds neat. Um, she Wolf, though, I should have mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, She yeah. Wolf is awesome. <laughs> what is that? What she, is that? Oh, Rich Tommaso, She Wolf. Yeah, I mean, the, his image book, uh, just kind of a, a werewolf story that's like super kind of retro and stylish. It's it's really fun. This new arc has been great. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. I, I, I need to, Rich is, Rich is a cool dude, man. A uh, great, great, a great talent to, to say the least. I'm glad image image uh, and he, he are working together. That's, that's, that's pretty, pretty great. Um, okay. All right. I'm going to stop there and uh, guys, we will catch you uh, in the coming week, week, weeks. We'll see. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.